Welcome to episode four of the Funds Europe podcast. I'm Nick Fitzpatrick, Funds Europe editor. And in today's episode, we'll be delving into the revolutionary world of tokenization and its transformative potential within fund management and distribution. Tokenization, or the process of converting rights to an asset into a digital token on a blockchain, opens up a plethora of possibilities, particularly with the advent of smart tokens. These digital tokens, when incorporated with self-executing smart contracts, pave the way for a new paradigm in how funds are handled, distributed and interacted with, offering a more streamlined, efficient and customizable approach compared to traditional methods. So I'm delighted to have Dr. Ian Hunt with me today, a renowned authority in the realm of tokenization and a fervent proponent of the integration of smart tokens in the financial sector. With his extensive advisory experience with leading asset managers and his significant contributions to distributed ledger technology, Dr. Hunt is the ideal expert to guide us through the intricacies and vast potential of tokenization in fund management. Dr. Ian Hunt, welcome to the Funds Europe podcast. How are you today? Yeah, very good. Glad to be talking to you. Great. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, now, obviously, it goes without saying, you are a, a big supporter of tokens, in particularly in particular smart tokens. But I've got to ask you this: you know, do you think there's a possibility that all the talk in the industry right now about tokenization is, to some extent, overhyping tokenization as a means of fund distribution? Now, I think we have to be very clear that that the potential for tokens. And particularly, as you said, smart tokens is very, very extensive. So this can change our approach to funds and fund distribution from uh, an activity where essentially all of the risk is passed over to the client, where every fund delivers much the same product. It delivers a delta, value delta between subscription and redemption. The potential of smart tokens is to change that into outcome-focused funds and make uh, essentially pledges on future flows from funds, which make them far more appropriate to the the needs of the of, of the investors, and it changes the nature of the relationship. It also makes it easier for distributors to produce their own products and distribute those with much more variety and much more bespoking in those products. So I think the potential is huge, but we have to see that tokenization, if what we're tokenizing is a conventional fund, if we're tokenizing an OIC, there's still an OIC there all of its entities, all of its operating model, all of its complexity, all of its regulations are still there. So tokenizing a conventional fund is not the end picture. Getting to native digital funds is the end picture. And there's nothing wrong with tokenizing funds, tokenizing conventional funds. We get benefit from it. We get the benefit of a self-maintaining register uh, because the, the ledger is the register. We get the benefit of having, if we tokenize the cash, as well, we get atomic settlement on, on Ledger, which gives us perfect delivery versus payment. Uh, we simplify the, the cash management process. So yes, there are benefits of tokenizing conventional assets, but by tokenizing a conventional asset, you don't create a digital asset. You create a conventional asset, which has its ownership and its existence demonstrated by a token rather than by a share or a unit or a, a title deed. So don't assume that tokenization of conventional assets delivers us the end picture of digital assets and digital funds because it doesn't. That's right. So you're obviously a big proponent of native digital assets, native digital funds. This is kind of like one step on from the traditional token. This is the, the smart token. Um, nevertheless, you know, obviously the asset management industries 
move towards uh, digitalization, as once described, is glacial. It's been happening at a much quicker pace in recent years. And we've seen a, new, a number of uh, initiatives using blockchain uh, and tokens. How material would you say the industry's progress has been with regards to tokenization so far? I think it is genuinely slow. We've had, and it's been slow largely because of, of regulatory stiction. So it's difficult within the terms of existing regulations and particularly things like CAS and COL in the UK to issue and run tokenized funds using tokenized cash. Um, because you're doing different things. You're not moving money between bank accounts. You're moving tokens around on a ledger between addresses. It's a different thing. So the regulations are not necessarily well suited to what we need, what we're actually doing when we're running a tokenized fund, let alone a native digital fund with smart tokens. So I think that has been an issue. There has been progress. We have launched, I was involved in Fund Admin Chain, which launched uh, a, a digital fund class with a major fund manager that was successful. Uh, there are other instances with Funds DLT in Luxembourg, with Isnis in France, with what uh, Schroders and Callistone are doing in Singapore. So yeah, there is progress. There is the, and there is a perception that there is value in using tokens as indicators of ownership and indicators of existence, as, as evidence of existence, and getting away from conventional shares and units. So yes there's, there's, yes, there's progress, but we haven't even made progress with much. There isn't much progress with the tokenization of conventional funds, let alone getting into the, the real potential of native digital funds. Mm. So you've obviously published a white paper uh, proposing this uh, framework, this distribution and issuance framework based upon smart tokens, which is basically digitally native. And, um, you know, in the recent article in Funds Europe, which we should have a link to shortly, I think you were saying that what you actually need to progress this idea is really for just one industry actor to partner with you. That could be a fund manager, it could be a transfer agent, it could be a fund administrator, it could be a stock exchange. But also, you know, you, you do mention that smart tokenization, native digital funds could to some extent, I mean, correct me if I'm exaggerating, but almost wipe out, you know, some of these intermediary actors, the fund admin, the, um, the, the TA in particular, if not exactly the fund manager themselves. Why on earth would one of these actors want to partner with you on this um, smart token model when basically it could eat their business and eat their industry? Well, it, clearly, if you're making significant change and you're achieving benefits, then that benefit is coming from a slicker process, generally with fewer entities, with less complexity and with less regulation. So uh, the potential that's held out by smart tokens is a world that is a lot simpler than our current funds world. Well, a world that is a lot simpler than our current conventional asset world. So what we're trying to achieve here is not adding another asset class or another type of fund, and then having a whole load more entities, more operating models, more regulations, more processes that address that. What we're trying to do is to create something which gives us more commonality where we have more flexibility, but where the underlying infrastructure and the underlying processes are much simpler. And if we have a purely digital environment, then really not much is going on. You know, we have a network 
uh, of nodes which form the ledger, form the digital ledger, and we have tokens of various kinds which live at those nodes. And then tokens, so when we're holding value, it's always in token form at an address on the ledger, at a node on the network, in other words. Um, and then transactions are represented by the movements of tokens between addresses on the ledger. That's all that's happening. Nothing else is happening. There are no payments going on. There are no deliveries going on. There are no entries in a TA's register going on. Uh, the only thing that's happening is movements of tokens on the ledger. And where those tokens commit future flows, so where they are native tokens that, are, that have no reference to an off-ledger asset or an off-ledger fund, then they can also be self-actuating, so they can achieve a very high degree of automation. So yes, you're right, there will be less for the current blizzard of entities to do uh, in, in the funds process, but there would also be new services, there would be new requirements for support for that ledger, for that network. There would be liquidity provision, there would be uh, net settlement requirements, there would be matching of investment interest, of, of issuance interest. Uh, between issuers and recipients. So there are services to, to achieve. Now, clearly, uh, players in the market, in the current market, can take one of two views of this. They can say, we're not interested in this because we're not in that end picture, so we will either ignore it or oppose it. Or they can say, we can see that there are other roles that need to be played here, and we may have skills, experience, technology, infrastructure, which enables us to do that. And I've experienced both of those reactions. In one case, we were talking at a conference through this, uh, through the native digital assets, native digital funds model, and there were two representatives from the same central settlement depository at that conference. One of them said, why should I be interested in this? We're not in the end picture. The other one said, there are real opportunities for here to use our capabilities to deliver new and high value services. So it's really a matter of the mindset of the of the service provider, whether they're only interested in protecting their own current revenue flows, or whether they're interested in seeing the opportunity to create a new ecosystem, a simpler, better ecosystem, which is easier to run, cheaper to run, easier to regulate with fewer rules, but more effective rules. So if they see the opportunity, then there's every reason for them to get on board. If they want to be Luddite and protect their own revenues and ignore the future potential, then ultimately that will be their loss. Great. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Ian Hunt. Thank you for joining us today on the Funds Europe podcast. Thanks very much, Nick. Really good to speak to you. So that's it, everyone. And thanks for listening to episode four of the Funds Europe podcast. And be sure to tune into episode five.